Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. After the fiasco of our 2020 national election, the subject of election integrity is an issue that is on everyone's minds. If it's not on your mind, it certainly should be. Every fraudulent vote cast and counted undermines the legitimacy of the election results and widens the already deep divisions in our nation. In any election, If your side loses, but you believe the results are honest and accurate, a rational person would conclude that next election you have to work harder to convince others that our agenda is better for the future. If your side loses, and there is ample evidence that the winners cheated in numerous ways, you stop believing in your ability to create change through the legal election process. That mindset is detrimental to national national unity, to say the least, and can only cast doubt on our nation's ability to remain intact. Our Bill of Rights requires the government to protect and secure the natural law rights of the sovereign states and their sovereign citizens. Free and secure elections are the only way to preserve faith in government and our individual freedom. After a short break, we will return with my guest on Freedom Forum Radio, J. Christian Adams, the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. We are back with our guest, J. Christian Adams, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Christian Adams is a former Justice Department attorney and current commissioner on the United States Commission for Civil Rights. Public Interest Legal Foundation is a 501c3 uh, foundation and is the only the nation's only public interest law firm dedicated wholly to election integrity. The foundation exists to assist states and others to aid the cause of election integrity and fight against lawlessness in American elections. Drawing on numerous experts in the field, the PLIF seeks to protect the right to vote and preserve the constitutional framework of American elections. Jay Christian Adams, thank you for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. 
Thanks for having me, Dr. Dan. Well, it's a pleasure to talk with you, and this is such an important subject for all of us. And we know that right now in Congress, uh, there is an agenda to take over the American election system. In fact, Senate Rules Committee is now considering Senate Bill Number 1, which is an omnibus voting bill that would allow the federal government to, in fact, take over our election system. Uh, You've written an article uh, which says, and the title of that article is, Democrats' voting bill is a recipe for chaos and fraud. Uh, Thank you for being direct, because I agree with you. And so why don't you tell us, what is the bill and what is in this bill, more important, and what will be the results if it's passed? This bill is the number one priority of the Democrats in Congress. That's why they call it H.R. 1. And it passed the House. Uh, Every single Democrat voted for it except for one. And every single Republican voted against it. And it's now in the Senate. And what it does is everything. All of the chaos of the 2020 election, whether it was ballots coming in late, no signature verification on mail ballots, whether it was extending the deadlines, whatever, all of it becomes federal mandates. So the chaos of 2020 becomes the law of the land, and it bans voter ID. It's 900 pages long. It strips states of their power to run their own elections. It gives the federal government oversight of all state elections, and it totally undoes the constitutional arrangement where states get to run their own elections. So it does a whole bunch of things which we intuitively know are really not good for the fairness and the accuracy of elections. I mean, and uh, so you said that this is a a federal bill. Does it have any impact on local elections, for instance? Oh, absolutely. It because of the federal mandates, most states have local elections at the same time as a federal election, and they have one single uniform system for registration in most states. They don't have a state system and a federal registration role. It totally will overtake state elections and local elections. For example, let me give you an example. Under federal law, states are required to keep their voter rolls clean. Well, H.R. 1 would change that, and it would say that states can't keep their voter rolls clean by looking at who's voting and who's not voting, who's been inactive for many years. Right now, if you don't vote, uh, then the states can look at that to send you a postcard and, and see if you still live at the address that you were supposed to live at. But under H.R. 1, states will not be allowed to do that voter roll cleanup. And so it's a imposition on state ability to do list maintenance to keep their voter rolls clean. They ban it. Uh, so we're going to have dirty voter rolls under H.R. 1 because federal law is not going to allow, uh, allow states to clean their rolls. You know, dirty voter rolls, uh, having people on your uh, voter rolls that are no longer living, that have moved out of state, uh, things like that is pretty common, uh, especially, I would think, in, in many counties. For instance, in our county, which is a small county, uh, it takes money to do that, and uh, the county doesn't really have 
uh, a lot of funds extra to be able to do that. Uh, but we would obviously want to do that. We have people, We our voter rolls haven't been cleaned for many years, and I know there are people on the voter rolls uh, that are either have passed away uh, or no longer live in the area. So right. it, would, it would really make sense, especially in states like ours where there's a lot of transient people, people who come up here and spend half a year and then go back, say, to Florida and live half a year. What would prevent them from voting in both places? Well, almost nothing. And one of the reasons H.R. 1 would enable that is because it prohibits states from cross-referencing with other states to do voter roll maintenance. In other words, states can't talk to each other under this proposal, something they have been doing. And so H.R. 1 would be a federal prohibition against cleaning up those voter rolls from people who shouldn't be voting twice. And we know they're voting twice. If you read uh, on the Internet, if you Google or DuckDuckGo, Public Interest Legal Foundation critical condition report, we built a database that allowed us to inventory exactly how many people voted twice in the presidential election in 2016 and 2018, in the midterm elections. So we know how many people are voting twice. We know how many dead people are voting. We know how many people are registered in multiple states, and we publish all of that data uh, at the Critical Condition Report. Well, you know, the obvious question at the end of all this will be, uh, how do you fight that? But there are still some more things in this bill which are uh, which are not good, like how about the, the bill's requirement that states automatically register all individuals from state and federal databases, such as the Department of Motor Vehicles? I mean, that's just an open door, isn't it? Well, yeah, and let me tell you how that works in the real world. Anybody who's registered on a state or federal database would have to be automatically registered. The problem is, the problem is that everybody listening uh, is probably registered on a state or federal database with slightly different information. For example, somebody who got, uh, when they were 21 years old, got on something and now they have a married name. Or there's a middle initial on one listing and a full name and middle name in another listing. Those will end up creating duplicate registrations, duplicate registrations. And you may say, well, can't they figure out it's the same person? Oh, I wish, because I see it in practice. They don't figure out it's the same person. They just slap them on the voter rolls two, three, four, five times because the names are slightly different. So that's what automatic voter registration will do. And when you combine that with vote by mail, in other words, like in Nevada, where they had automatic vote by mail for everybody on the voter rolls, it means you're sending five or six ballots to the same person. And there's absolutely nothing that anyone can do to prevent them from using every single one of the ballots they get because they're not checked when they come in. That's another problem, of course. I, I like that in your article, you said in 2016, there were 349,773 deceased registrants and 43,760 duplicate registrants who appear to have cast two votes. That's astounding. Yeah, I mean, the voter rolls are a mess, and we've known this for a very long time. I've, you know, I've been talking about this since I was in the Justice Department, and even left-wing groups like the Pew Charitable 
charitable trust did a survey of the voter rolls and found that essentially 20% of the names on the rolls are bogus, are, are invalid, are not, the person is no longer alive at that address. And so that's a left-wing group saying this. Now, if you say you're a vote suppressor, but put that aside. Uh, and so we've been very concerned. That's why the Public Interest Legal Foundation has been suing pl- uh, states and counties who aren't cleaning up their rolls. Like Pennsylvania, we just resolved a lawsuit against Pennsylvania where they had 20 21,000 dead voters on their rolls, and they're going to get that cleaned up now. But before before we were doing this, it didn't get done. Well, you know, the interesting thing, of course, as you know as an attorney, uh, it appears, for instance, now, uh, every time something is done in government that you don't like, one side sues the other. And so there are an enormous number of, of lawsuits back and forth. And the problem is, for the average person... We all know that legal fees are astronomical, especially when you talk about the federal court system and going up the chain from your your district court up through uh, maybe even eventually Supreme Court. Uh, it just takes an enormous amount of money. It seems like uh, an enormous hill to climb, uh, but... That's really a problem for for people like me, people that I talk to, uh, my constituents. They all want to do something, but when it comes down to just saying, well, how can I afford to do this? That seems to be a huge stumbling block. That's one of the reasons that the uh, the public interest uh, legal foundation is, is so valuable, because you do have the funds uh, in order to, and you're a 501c3, so contributing to you is obviously of tax benefits, certainly at the moment at any rate. Uh, But that's one of the advantages we have with a group like yours. Uh, And you take cases, I assume, primarily with voter integrity. Oh, that's all we do is we we bring cases to enforce federal laws, to keep the rolls clean, to fight against lawlessness. For example, in, in the election last year in Virginia, in Virginia, the State Board of Elections announced that ballots could come in late without postmarks and would still be accepted. Well, there was one problem with that, Dr. Dan. There was a statute, there's a law in Virginia that said ballots that come in late have to have postmarks that show that they were mailed before the election day. And it was just unbelievable that the state election officials didn't care what the law said. So we filed a lawsuit against against the Commonwealth of Virginia State Board of Elections, alleging that they were breaking state law by allowing ballots to come in late with no postmarks. Thank heavens we got a judge in Virginia to agree with us, and we won that lawsuit, and Virginia was stopped from breaking the rules of the elections. And I will tell you, that victory in Virginia last fall was a rare occurrence across the national landscape where you saw all of these lawsuits uh, by other uh, plaintiffs, and, and it was a disaster. The Pennsylvania, for example, all of the laws in Pennsylvania were basically ignored regarding the election. Same thing happened in Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, all across the country, they ignored the law of the states and just made it up. And that's... You know, that's why that Virginia victory that we got last year was such a sweet one, because we shut them down in their lawlessness 
regarding mail ballots coming in late with no postmarks. You know, another thing that uh, H1 or S1 would ban is voter ID laws. And I think that's one of the things that rankles most people. We need an ID to do just about anything. You can't write a check. Uh, you many times can't even use your credit card without show, showing ID. You certainly can't travel on an airplane without showing an ID. Uh, why is it that that, uh, that they feel that it's something that they can get away with saying, okay, no ID to vote, but you need it everywhere else? That's just totally illogical. Well, yeah, let me let you in on a dirty little secret. Uh, when I worked with the Justice Department and I worked with all of these lawyers who oppose voter ID, they revealed the truth of what they really think. And they don't think that the uh, people can't get it. They don't think that you can't get a voter ID. The dirty little secret is they think you can get it, but that their, their constituents are going to lose it or forget it when they go to vote. That's what they won't tell you out loud, uh, that it's really about forgetting or losing it, not about getting it. And so, and you know, maybe they're right. I don't know. Uh, but I will tell you that it's not about the inability to get it. Let me add to your list. You talked about going on an airplane or, or, or those sorts of things. Those aren't fundamental rights, the things you listed. So let me give you two things that are fundamental rights you need a voter ID for, a photo ID for. Number one, get married. Getting married is a fundamental right under the Constitution. You can't get a marriage license without showing photo ID. Number two, buying a gun. Gun ownership is a federal constitutional right under the Second Amendment. You can't get a gun without showing a photo ID. So I would suggest adding to your list uh, some things that are actually fundamental rights under the Constitution that you have to have a photo ID to do. Well, it certainly makes sense to me, and it makes sense to certainly my listeners that if you want to vote, you should be able to prove who you are. Uh, it's, I mean, it's just, I cannot believe people who would argue anything against it with a straight face and think that you're going to believe them. I mean, it just, it makes zero sense to me that you shouldn't have to prove who you are to cast a vote one of the most important rights that you have in a free society. Because in a free society, that makes a difference, presumably, as opposed to in a tyranny where they have elections that are rigged from the beginning. So what is what is the resolution to this? What what do we have to do? Uh, we have another election coming up in another just a little over a year. How is all this going to play out? Well, I will tell you, there's an enormously important Supreme Court case that's going to be decided in the next couple of weeks that will answer that question. And it is called DNC versus Brnovich. It's out of Arizona. And the Supreme Court is going to decide what does the Voting Rights Act mean? Because the Voting Rights Act has been twisted in the last couple of years by uh, litigators to blow up and destroy and shut down state election integrity laws. For example, in Arizona, the, the, the law that this case involves, Arizona passed a law that you actually have to vote in your home precinct, that you actually vote where you live, okay? You can't just roam around Arizona casting ballots in out of precinct, you know, different precincts where you don't live. Arizona passed a law that said you got to vote in your home precinct. Well, they sued. They sued Arizona and said that that discriminates against blacks and Hispanics. 
because they shouldn't have to vote in their home precinct. And would you believe that they won, that the courts accepted that theory, that it's racially discriminatory to require people to vote in their home precinct? Well, that's why the Supreme Court took the case. And the Supreme Court is going to decide what the Voting Rights Act really means when it comes to election integrity laws. And so what happens in the 2022 election is going to be highly dependent on what the Supreme Court says. Well, that is some hope for the future. And uh, Christian Adams, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, please go to their website publicinterestlegal.org visit them contribute help them out because ultimately they are standing for us to make sure we have fair and honest elections Christian Adams it's been a pleasure to have you on Freedom Forum Radio thank you so much for having me and that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum join the battle on our website www.drdansfreedomforum.com The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything. 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 Everything.